Okay, I think what everybody would like to know a little bit about is how you actually got into this business in the first place. So if you could tell me a little bit about where you are now and kind of how the road went to get there, because that's probably a pretty interesting story. It is an interesting story. And I was thinking a lot about that last evening before our interview today. And, you know, back when I started and probably back when you started, there weren't courses in colleges for event management and things of that nature. A lot of that was you fell into it, however that may be. So I actually traced this back all the way back to my grandmother. I Why? grew up in a very cultural home uh, with an Italian nationality and a Slovak nationality, but I blame my, my Italian grandmother on this. She grew up in a very small, very tiny, close-knit community. And she was the community cook. So anytime there was a birth or a baptism or a funeral or whatever, you took food. Food was your way of socialization. Food was your way of gifting back then. So I was always around it. And eventually she became the town caterer, for a lack of better words. Oh, my husband. Yes. And I was right by her side. And then as time went on, she started doing weddings, local weddings. Everybody wanted her to cater the weddings because she made all of her food from scratch. And I got to be the grunt. So I got to do dishes. I got to help prep. I was never allowed outside of the kitchen. But eventually I worked my way up to, I was allowed to replenish the buffet and actually serve the buffet. Oh my heavens, how, how old were you when that was all going on? 10, 11, 12. Oh my, okay. And I thought that was the biggest deal because I got to sneak out and see brides and grooms and all of their <laughs> decorations. And I just fell in love with that. Well, eventually what happened is she got older and she kind of got out of it, but other relatives took over and I fell into that. Well, by that point then I was in high school and I was, it must've been in my blood. I was volunteering for everything. I was always helping to organize <laughs> or to orchestrate or to be there when nobody else would be there. Right. And by the time I reached college as always being the caretaker, I discovered not only was I in a counseling field, I discovered theater. Oh my, well, okay. I discovered theater and the stage the rest is history. And I really got into a lot of the production end of things as well as on stage end of things. And after graduation, I worked for a large nonprofit for 33 years. I started out as a counselor, but then okay. found myself also being the one again to volunteer, to put <laughs> things together, to coordinate things. And as time went on, the nonprofit back then realized they had to start fundraising. Yes. In order to get accreditation in order to survive, they needed to start fundraising. And so somebody had an idea. Well, they had the idea, but they didn't have the skill set to carry that idea out. And I'm just sitting in the background waiting and waiting and waiting and saying, hello, hello. And of course it was a group of men that decided a golf outing would be the ultimate. Oh Lord. Well, they knew how to golf. <laughs> but they didn't know how to put raffles together. They didn't know how to put baskets together. And as time went on and more and more things came up, I was in the community a lot, developing relationships, developing professional relationships to bring in money, to bring in donations mm -hmm. and to have events. So I became actually their event coordinator and I 
really did all of their events as well as being their community liaison, which was the linkage between the community, the nonprofit, and all of the all of the fundraisers that went with it. So oh my I, God. Became, I became their coordinator of special okay. events. And I did that until one day they decided to erase my position from the budget. We all have been through that. And yes. so then after that, it was, I was still doing weddings and I was still doing events and volunteering, of course, and working these jobs and that jobs. And finally I decided, well, I joined um, ILEA, the International Live Events Association. Yes. Which was great for me because I did a lot of networking and became established, went to a lot of classes and seminars on mm -hmm. fundraising and event planning to build up my skill set and then started my own small business. So I've done everything from the time your house dinner parties and baptisms to galas for a thousand people to weddings to fundraisers to you name it i'll do it because any event is a special event That's and true. i my my whole actually my my tagline is my forte is the entire client experience it's your event but it's my event as well yes so that's how i got into the business and then by word of mouth, the Pittsburgh Shrine Center decided they needed to have somebody to really begin to utilize the beautiful ballroom and pavilion space that they have. It is great. They had, nobody to, they had nobody to do it. There were a lot of Shriners with good, good, good intentions, but not a clue as to how to orchestrate a special event. I so understand. they hired me on as their event coordinator. So now I'm, re I'm responsible for the entire um, event situation here at the Pittsburgh Shrine Center, which is a large undertaking. Yeah. So that's how I started. And I still have my small business and I still have, you name it, and I'll do the event. I say there's no event that's too small. That's true. That's there true. really isn't. And yes you can think of event planners for nonprofits as huge nonprofits and huge galas that you see in the scene column yes yeah. there's a group of a large group of people that are right in the middle that may not have a one hundred thousand dollar budget for their wedding or yeah. may not have a hundred and twenty five thousand dollar budget for their gala they deserve a memorable event just like everybody that's else. true it's just as important to them as the other organization's event is to them you know so that's so why i try to fill in the gaps with whatever yeah. they have i try to meet their needs and so that's me i'm the event coordinator the wedding coordinator the planner the organizer oh, and for, for people out there that think it's a great glamorous job <laughs> there is that glamour side to it but it's i also true. I also am the one that sweeps the floors and moves the tables and counts the chairs and goes through all of those things that you would never expect somebody to go through. Yeah, actually, that's very true. We used to get that question a lot. People would say, oh, you're out every night and you're at parties every night and that must be so much fun. And I think, oh, wow. Yeah, okay. <laughs> you know, okay. Because they are, but you know, sometimes it's like, oh, geez, not another one. But they're all really special and all really fun. So what kind of events are you doing now where you're at at the shriner center well, at the shrine center we do a wide variety of events because our ballroom will hold up to a thousand people 
Oh and my gosh. Pavilion can hold up to 800 people. So in our pavilion, we do a lot of musical events. We're the home for the Pittsburgh Roots and Blues Festival now. Oh, cool. Okay. Uh, we are the home for a lot of memorial motorcycle rides for fallen officers. We, okay. high, we do reunions, we do family reunions, but in our ballroom, it's a lot of weddings, a lot of big celebrations, a lot of corporate events and trainings, a lot of nonprofit anniversaries and celebrations and holiday parties. Yeah. We even do boxing matches. I understood that. I got I, I, that. Jill, I gotta tell you that is out of my comfort zone. <laughs> but I'm one that says if you don't learn something new every day, then get out of the business. And just when you think you know it all, you don't know it all. So when they said we're having a nonprofit's having an event here and it's going to be a boxing match, my head spun around like the exorcist. I had no clue of what to expect. So we do concerts, we do a lot of school events, we do a lot of nonprofit work. We we basically do it all. So I want to go back to the boxing for a second. Describe a little bit how you actually set that up because your facility is geared a little bit differently than a lot of other um, venues. So I'm kind That's of curious to see how you did it. One of the unique things about our ballroom, and and I know all of the venues in Pittsburgh, and there are pros and cons to every one of them, but one of the really good things here is our ballroom is tiered. So we have our main floor, then we have a lower tier that's, that has railing on it, and then we have a sunken dance floor as oh, well, wow, cool. a stage and a sound system. Okay. So when we did this boxing match, it was an Uber event on my end. It was a, it was a new growth opportunity, let me tell you that. I know nothing about boxing, but I know about putting on events. So we... It, they actually built the boxing ring in the dance, sunken dance floor. And it exactly fit the size of the dance floor with tables for the judges and the officials. Oh my gosh, so it was and like they, a regulation size boxing ring. It, it, it was a regulation boxing match wow. for all okay. the local fitness clubs. And there were matches and there were bouts. Our lower tier, we had round tables of 10 that was a sit down dinner. So you were having a sit-down dinner watching people boxing. Wow, then cool. our upper tier, we had about 300 chairs that people bought tickets for that they could, there's not a bad seat in the house. So okay. they had a buffet, the first tier had a sit-down dinner. We had four bars. We had, they wow. had, in the very back of the room, they had basket raffles and 50-50 auctions. We had 650 people in here. Wow. Yes. And that was phenomenal. It was either going to be the worst or the best. It was one of the best experiences, and it was for Parkinson's disease. Oh, and it was so heartwarming. Not only were the boxers amateurs, and so they're fighting for their position and all their family and friends and their clubs cheering them on. Yeah. I thought I was in the PPG Paints Arena at one point with all the chanting going on. Oh my. But we also Fun. had people there that were in wheelchairs and people there that um, were with walkers and they had Parkinson's. So it was just really, really special. And it was such a success for them that we're now scheduled for year three to do it. 
Oh, fantastic. Congratulations. Yes. That sounds really, really fun. The setup, that was the 15 hour day. For those aspiring event planners, let me tell you, that was the 15 hour day. <laughs> because you never knew who was going to walk in the door, when the people were going to come in to bring in the ring, the caterers coming in, chairs being set up. At the last minute, they made all kinds of changes because they're boxers and they run boxing fitness clubs, but they're not event organizers. Event people, yeah. They forget about signage. They forget about, oh, I guess we do need to block this off. Or should we number the chairs? How do we do this? So that's where your day of facilitator really comes into play. Oh my gosh. I can only begin to imagine what went into that, especially given the way your, your place is set up. Um, with the floor being further down, the main floor being sunk, right. that had to be an adventure as well. So I can't, I just can't imagine. Tell me a little bit about the pavilion because the that pavilion, sounds interesting to me. The pavilion is really unique in the sense that we call it an enclosed pavilion because we have uh, canvas awnings on the sides of the pavilion that can be rolled down or up according to the weather conditions. We have paddle fans, we have ceiling fans, we have a stage with sound system. Oh, wow. Okay. We have a full kitchen attached to it. We also have a stationary restroom facility with pavements, so it's all handicapped accessible. And in the, back, in the back, we have an area that actually has horseshoe pits. We can set up volleyball nets. We, we sit on 40 acres of property. So oh, it's my gosh, it's huge. Yeah, wow. so if somebody needs to be driven right into the pavilion for physical needs, they can be. Oh, that's fantastic. And so we don't use picnic tables any longer. We have white tables and folding chairs because, quite frankly, most people don't want to negotiate a picnic table. Yeah. And, yeah. and we can move that around. We can get 800 people in there for the Pittsburgh Blues Festival at one time. Oh, how fun. And people can bring their lawn chairs in there and sit and enjoy. We've had very informal wedding receptions in there. We've had big family reunions in there where they've been in the back with the kids and inside with the older folks. We've had DJs in there. Yeah. Uh, it's just you know a really nice space that you can utilize. And we have grills. We have a huge grill that you can actually do your own pig roast if you want to. Oh my gosh, how cool. Okay. And we provide a full bar service down there with bartenders so that you can okay. do that as well. And the best part is we have free parking for 500 vehicles. You got to love it, you know, because parking can add up. That can really make people nuts. Absolutely. So um, not too long ago, I actually did a podcast on that because that's the your guest's first impression. And if your parking is horrible and they're upset before they even walk in the door, that kind of just sets the tone for the rest of the night, you know. So well, my, phrase, cool. my, my phrase is you never get a second chance to make a first impression. Absolutely correct. And yep. when you have free secure parking for 500 vehicles. And when we had one of our motorcycle memorial runs, we had 700 motorcycles here. Oh, wow. <laughs> and then after the run, all of their friends were here. So we had 1400 people that yeah. we were accommodating in that pavilion and fed them all within two hours. Oh my gosh, that is awesome. Um, awesome. Do you have catering facilities there? Or do you use outside caterers or, or, or what is we do. have a full licensed commercial kitchen okay. that is certified by Allegheny County Department of Health. We have a preferred caterers list. So we have certain caterers that we work with. 
Uh-huh. If for some very particular reason, be it cultural or whatever, we may work with an outside caterer. But yeah. the reason why venues have a preferred caterer list is because those caterers know that kitchen. Those caterers come with a full uniform staff of experienced people that can provide your client with the ultimate customer experience. Yeah. There are some people that are great catering companies, but they don't have staff. They yes. don't do full service. And when people say we have a preferred catering list, there's a very clear reason why they do that. Yes. Yeah, it does uh, eliminate an awful lot of uncertainty. You know, you know yes. who you're dealing with, you know the quality that you're going to get. Um, there's certain expectations on all parties' parts, and that makes it hugely easier to deal with. Um, nothing like a high-stress event to, you know, have something go wrong and not be happy about it. Never and of course, you know, I, I'm a little obsessive compulsive and I have high standards <laughs> and if they don't meet my standards, then we got to talk. But, yeah, it, problem. It, but it's best on both ends. I don't want that catering company to be set up to fail either. That's true. That's absolutely true. I want them to look good too. Yeah. So that's why we have a preferred catering list. Um, we kind of touched on the best event being the, the boxing, um, but as we all know, kind of you're only as good as your last event. What are some of the worst events that happen? Which oh are my, always my funny. My. Looking back, they're funny. When you're in the middle of them, it's a disaster. But looking back, you're like, oh, geez, I can't believe that happened. So what's some of your worst ones? Absolutely. And I can give you examples from both nonprofit and my small business. Oh, have at it. <laughs> I mean, um, I would say one of, and I call them my most memorable events. That's a good and, way to put it. Yes. And these events, I always learn and always make new rules afterwards and always say to myself, I can't believe I said yes again. <laughs> <laughs> but I do. I do. I think one of my most memorable events early on was doing a barn wedding for a very young couple, and she was enamored with Pinterest, as we all are. Oh, Lord, okay. So she envisioned this lovely, idyllic barn wedding, getting married out, you know, overseeing the man-made lake with the geese and the water fountain and the white chairs, and it was going to be just wonderful. And her bridesmaids were all going to pitch in because her one bridesmaid knew how to make bouquets. They were on a very limited budget. Okay. So I said, okay, we can do this. Well, it was in June, and it happened to be one of those Junes where it was one of the hottest Junes that Ooh. we have had on record. All right, that, that shouldn't be a problem, we're outdoors. And the white chairs were out and she had a friend make her two antique barn doors and stain them. That was going to be the, where they were going to get married in front of. Grand. Okay. So he went a step further and made two door knob holes like he would on a door, except he forgot that you needed a right and a left door. So he made two holes in two right doors. So now we have two holes that don't that aren't on opposite <laughs> sides. And she was going to put little baby's breath bouquets in those holes. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, okay. I said, oh dear. All right, now we're going to decorate. And we have that morning, a horde of young ladies coming to decorate all of these tables with these 
very ornate decorations and they went to the dollar store and bought 200 votive candles. Oh my heavens, okay. Understanding that those votive candles were tea light candles and not votive candles. Oh no. <laughs> it has a shelf life of an hour. Uh, yeah, yeah. Who is going to light 200 of those candles? Me. <laughs> While the cattle fans are going full blast to air condition this reception hall, me, as I'm writing them, they're blowing out as the panel fans are blowing out. Yes. <laughs> now I'm having a bit of a meltdown. Then I, then where are the bouquets? Well, here comes all the boxes of flowers for the bouquets to be made the morning of the wedding. <gasps> oh, you're kidding. No, no, I'm serious. And I just went, oh my. So they're all making bouquets, but now it's time for them to rock and roll and they've got to go get dressed. And, yeah. and what are we doing with these uh, doors in the yard that have the two big holes in them for doorknobs? So I ended up taking all this baby's breath, making four bouquets and stapling them onto four <laughs> sections of the doors so that you couldn't see any holes whatsoever. That's and actually pretty clever. That's and I'm sweating putty balls at the same time. Yeah. And, yeah. and now they forgot to have somebody uh, tray the cookies. Okay. So I got to tray the cookies. The cookie table thing is big. So I'm, and now I'm going to, I have built in time to change my outfit, of course. Hmm. <laughs> so we get all the guests there and the justice of the peace comes and doesn't even have their information such as their names. Oh, that's and, a big thing. Yeah, I knew we were going to have a challenge here. <laughs> so everybody's there, and we got everybody together, and everybody's ready to rock and roll, and the music starts. And what she also forgot is not only is this a barn, it's a working farm with live animals in pens. Oh, my heavens. So when the music starts, the animals start singing it's like mendelssohn's choir we have the goats going we have the pigs going we have the hens going and now the ducks on the pond are all beginning to get excited and flap their wings and fly everywhere and nobody can hear the vowels because we've got mendelssohn's animal choir behind us and everyone is sweating to beat the band and now the minister decides he's on a roll now. Okay. Now he's gonna go longer. And then the bride's father, who was upset about the whole thing because it wasn't in church, decides he's going to give a a speech. Oh no. And now and now we're now the candles are just beside themselves. We go inside and now we're late and now we have dinner and everything's fine. And now she's going to have an after party for those people that she couldn't afford to invite to the reception with okay. a food truck and a beer truck, which arrives on time, but the reception is late. So now we've got people outside drinking beer and eating hot dogs while people are still inside. So by the time of the after party, the outside is already drunk. Yeah. The inside relatives are very upset, which they would be. The music yeah. is too loud. And now I see yellow, blue and red lights driving down the driveway, which are the police. <laughs> because someone called the cops because of all of the chaos. 
And I just said, please just get me out of here in one piece. Yeah, yeah. Please just get me out of here in one piece because we had way too much drinking going on in the heat. And it was, it was organized chaos to say the least. And I just said, I just want to get in my car and go home. And go home. Yeah, that yeah. sounds that sounds like there was a whole litany of things going on in that one that each one would have been bad on their own, but together it sounds like horrible. Yeah. Well, he, keeping in mind that you can have great ideas, but if you don't have the staff behind you to pull that off, yeah, then it's not going to work. Yeah. And I was and the only person trying to pull this off for all of them because they were the sweetest couple in the world. They just <laughs> didn't know. They just yeah. No. Yeah. Every no. now and then, I think um, event people are pushed into that position where they sort of need to be the voice of doom, and well, I'm not, and, and not I necessarily to, in, in a really bad way, but just kind of like keeping folks. I, I on had track. to be the mediator. I had to be the mediator because we had people that had imbibed a little too much that got some muscles in their voice, and uh-huh. they were going to take each other on while we had to kind of keep them under control with older relatives that needed to get home because they were tired with um, centerpieces that were already done for the night. Yeah. But it all worked out and that's all that mattered. I looked like a drenched rat. I'd gone through two outfits, but it was okay because they had the day they wanted. It didn't rain, did it? Oh, I wished it would have. (laughs) That would have at least Pulled it down a little bit. No, it did not rain. I've been in those experiences. It did not rain. It was brutally hot that day. Oh, and the no. animals never calmed down. So I can't it, imagine. I can't it, imagine. It was like a petting zoo and a wedding and a tiki party <laughs> all at the same time. I well, it was memorable. You know, memorable, that's for sure. That. But that's good. And, so. Yeah. But on the nonprofit side too, they they do not go without uh, trying to have their challenges as well. And yes. when you're brought in at the last minute to save an event, that's when it becomes very difficult in the nonprofit fundraising world. Yeah. And I and I did do this for a friend who was on a golf committee to raise money for a school district, and it's. Uh-huh. And they had been doing it for a while, but they wanted to up it a little bit. They wanted to raise more money. Of course they did. Makes sense. So I was brought into a very large committee. A committee of more than eight people is not a committee. Oh, no. No, it, it's not a committee. And Jill, isn't that how it always is? You get a lot of people yes. that are so excited and generous and kind-hearted that want to be on the committee to help in any way they can. Yes. Start out with 20 people on a committee and then it goes down to 10 and then it goes down to six because everybody has obligations and family responsibilities or now they decided, nah, maybe this isn't for me. And then you're having meetings to plan meetings about the meeting that you were planning on having. (laughs) And nobody can make the meeting. And so when you walk into a committee that's been established as an outsider, everybody has their pecking order. Yes. And this committee had their pecking order with particular members that thought they very much knew what they were doing because they knew how to golf and they knew how to dress very well for the golf outing. 
and we've always done it this way, so why should we change it now? Oh, that's one of the worst phrases ever. We've always done it this way. It yes. Works. And so your ideas are ideas, Paulette, but we don't think we're going to use them. Okay, fine. And so there are people who have certain strengths that they don't realize they have and maybe they don't have. And not everybody can solicit donations from corporations in the appropriate fashion. You just can't absolutely or knock on the door and say, give me $25,000 and we'll put your name on vinyl. Yeah. And everybody <laughs> can't go out and get what you need for those basket raffles. And you know, at the last minute, somebody's going to come in and throw you a shirt, a hat, and a set of golf balls and say, here, use this for your basket raffle. Yes. So it was kind of a situation where I was being sabotaged and didn't know it. So all of my good deeds, the other committee members that had their pecking order and their particular identities were carrying on. And that was fine. I was there to do whatever I could do, which was a lot of the busy grunt work, which was fine. Yeah. But the day of the event, the coordinator had a family emergency and he had to leave. Now oh, who's no. in charge? And they all looked at each other and said, who's in charge? Well, no one's in charge because we are doing this and we have our specific walking orders. And that's, that's right. it. So guess what? I was in charge. And surprise. <laughs> surprise and surprise whenever they didn't expect all of these people to bring all of these extra items for basket raffles and they uh -huh. had nothing to do with them and wanted just to throw them into another basket. Well, you can't do that. Yeah. And then they didn't know what to do when people came in and said, well, I'm golfing for so-and-so as a substitute, but their foursome's already made up, but I don't want to golf with this person. They were just beside yes. themselves. They just didn't know what to do. They just were shutting down. And at one point, I just had to take over. Yeah. And, yeah. One, um, I mean, in I, that particular situation, too, you're probably not going to make friends as you're trying to navigate this crisis because people are coming in who have no idea that all this drama is actually going on. So my, when they get there, it's like, well, why is this running like this? Wow. And my, again, another one of my isms is that if it's going very smoothly on the outside, you know it's chaos behind the scenes. Yes. <laughs> and there's always chaos behind the scenes in order to make it look very smooth on the outside. So that was my goal. I was gonna run around and do whatever I needed to do, as chaotic as it was, to save this event for all of them. No, I'm not a savior. Let's just get through it. Yeah, and it yeah. And then it rained. <laughs> because of course, of course, on the golf course, it rained. And I had to explain to them that, yes, you do golf in the rain unless it's so bad that the golf pro says we're calling it. So, yes, they will golf in the rain because you just paid for steak dinners and you just paid for everything else. And yeah. so we golfed in the rain and the cold. It was an yeah. event that I said to my friend, thanks for asking me, but I think I'll pass on it the next time. <laughs> Uh, please don't allow me to have that much fun ever again. You know? Please <laughs> like, do not allow me to have that much fun ever again <laughs> when I'm ostracized for trying to save your event. Yes. Oh my gosh. Oh, that's funny. But looking back on it, it's probably, you know, a little easier to deal with. But at the moment, you were probably like not a happy girl. Now, at the moment, I was, I was concerned. I was frustrated. I was irritated, but then I was trying to, to think of all the different ways that I could bond with these individuals to say, let's be a team and let's get through yeah. this. 
because our coordinator had a family emergency. He's not going to be here. Yeah. If he's here for dinner. We're lucky. So somebody kind of figure out who's going to emcee the dinner that evening. Oh my Because gosh. it's not going to be me. Yeah. You know, so that was my thing. I was just, you're, as an event planner for a nonprofit, for a profit, for whatever, you're always thinking about how can I make this the best for them? Yes. Not for me, but for them. But for them. But for yeah. them. And it's a challenge in these days because, as I say, you can throw a dead cat and hit 10 fundraisers on any given day for a nonprofit. Yeah. And to come up with creative ways of doing new fundraisers. I mean, in these times, we've gone to doing things online. Absolutely. People have, people have gone to, please donate to my favorite charity on my birthday. And uh -huh. though that works, it still does not replace that human interaction and that relationship building. That's right. Yeah. Which, which brings you yeah. to, to the point of how are we navigating these waters right now? Because quite frankly, I had yeah. four proms. I had four proms that were scheduled for this year they're done yeah you know there's next year but we've lost that income for this year and we'll right. lose it for next year because we'll carry it over i've had trade shows that have said we can't do this we're from the east coast yeah we can't bring people from all of these states in one of our biggest clients has a thousand people here every year for a memorial luncheon. There's no way, There's no way. they can justify having a thousand people together. Yeah. So, you know, we're in, in new uncharted territories right now with putting on our website, please call us. We will be, we're not closed in the yeah. sense of, we're not shutting down. We're not right, right. right now. We're following all the standards, but please call us for a date for your weddings. Let's talk about a Friday or a Sunday. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about some alternative ideas for what we can do for your event. Are you starting to see events stack up in the fall where you have- you I know, will tell you, Jill, that when we finally get the go to do events, I'm going to get a cot and put a cot <laughs> in my office because I am totally slammed. That's what, uh, actually, uh, that's a really good thing to a certain extent. I'm hearing that from other people as well. So that's good. Um, to a certain extent. The thing that concerns me, especially with the nonprofits, is as those events stack up, their donors, their guests are going to be put in a position where they need to choose. And that's sort of a little bit on the unnerving side. The unnerving side is for the nonprofits that have planned these galas and yes. fundraisers their annual galas and their annual fundraisers for the fall and um, early winter that they really depend on. Because now I really think people are gonna be very much questioning, do I wanna go or don't I want to go? Yeah. Um, you know, am I in the financial position where I can just say, here's my money for my ticket and don't worry about it? Yeah. Um, you know, virtual fundraisers are okay, but it still is a it's challenge. Not, yeah, it's, it's not, not the same, same thing. thing. It's not the same thing. So we're real concerned about that. I'm not concerned about my my other events, like the weddings will go on, but I'm struggling with those because they're struggling. We have 250 people invited to your wedding. Yeah. What are you gonna do? You know, I, I had a mother that was struggling Oh, she must have called me three times a day for three weeks mm -hmm. about changing the date. 
And I tried to assure her her date was okay, but she wasn't assured. So she kicked it out another month. But is her caterer available? Is her ceremony site available? We're dealing with those kinds of things, as well as the nonprofits yeah. that are saying, I don't think we can afford to have that event now because we've had to lay off staff. Yes. Now, how can we have this gala and this celebration when we've just laid off 20% of our staff? Exactly. So exactly. they're struggling with that as well. So what we were trying to do is offer them anything that we can, even if it's a small discount, if we can, if we need to, if they're one of our regular clients or offering them weekdays, offering them things to try to think out of the box that mm -hmm. they can do, that we can help them with. Okay. Because this has taken a huge hit on the hospitality industry. Yes, and it's, it's really scary. I'm worried that people won't be coming back. I'm afraid of that too. I mean, yeah. I, one, of, one of our big restaurant groups in Pittsburgh laid off 900 folks. Oh. And not sure that they're gonna be able to maintain taking back all 900 folks. But yeah. for, for nonprofits, it's just they, they now have to begin to start thinking out of the box with how they do things. Exactly. Do they have virtual auctions? Do they have online auctions? Do they have you know, online parties? I mean, Zoom has been overloaded. Yeah. People just trying to say, can we stay connected in some way? And maybe that'll catch on in the meantime. Yeah. But, but I don't foresee having big fundraisers for nonprofits of three and 400 people for quite some time. I don't, yeah, I don't see that anytime soon. And people are, I think, getting um, fatigued with doing Zoom and, you know, all they those are. sorts of things. So you that's know, one of those things too. And the nonprofits in a position where they need to keep in touch with everybody. Exactly. You know, and they can't be pitching for money every time they get in touch with someone and you know so, the, all the GoFundMe accounts and all the reaching out to media i mean that's fabulous and that's great but at some point that's going to get saturated as well yeah because you can only go to the well so many times to that's ask. right yeah so that's right really and 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 writing proposals and writing grants is only going to go so far as well yeah well now in your in your facility are you looking at doing any kind of um uh social distancing and such when you seat people or your table instead of tables of eight they're now tables of six things like that i have been giving serious consideration to that because the way that we currently have it is we have tables of eight tables of ten mm -hmm. i'm currently thinking about using those tables of ten and putting six people at them yes as opposed to 10 people at them. Yeah. Yes, we are going to definitely be doing that. Instead of putting 12 tables on my lower tier, I might end up putting six tables on my lower tier. Yeah. Uh, just in order to kind of maintain some sense of safety and security for people. And we certainly very much have disinfected and, and we clean. Yeah, absolutely. But, but nonetheless, you can only do so much of that. You, so we will be making adjustments to that. We're not going to have people congregating like they once did with 650 people in here. Yeah. That's just not going to happen. I do, yeah, I do think going forward, it's going to be a very different environment for, uh, for larger events. And there may not be as many large events at all, even until like maybe the middle of next year, which is really... And, 
and I've suggested to some people, instead of having your larger event, maybe break it up into two events. Yeah. Maybe break it up into three events over the year. And, it, you know, have, you know, phase one, two, and three or whatever. Just break it up over a period of time so that you can still get that same result, but you've, you've given people the opportunity now, instead of one date, now you've got three dates to choose from. Yeah, which I think too will make um, people actually a lot more comfortable. Right. You know, they don't want to necessarily be in a group and that's absolutely understandable. So if you have 200 people in our ballroom that holds 800 people, you're going to feel a whole lot more comfortable than being in, than having a holiday party for 400 people in the ballroom. Yeah. So, you know, maybe you break your, your fundraiser up and you have a couple of them, the same one, but repeated. So you're saving money. You're not reinventing the wheel with each fundraiser. Yeah. It's the same fundraiser with different times and dates. I think that makes perfect sense. Um, if nothing else, I think it gives you the opportunity to reach more people. Well, it they does. Not, yeah, they may not be able to do a Saturday event, but they could do one on a Monday, you know. Exactly. Or, yeah. And I foresee that happening. That was just a thought that I just had now. Bing! Um, <laughs> that somebody break up that gala into portions. And then if you can't hit the one that you wanted to, maybe you can hit the next one so that you're not losing your audience or your base. Yeah, people are feeling more comfortable. Wow, that's good. That's a, that's a really good idea. Um, how can people get in touch with you? It's very easy to get in touch with me. Uh, you can just go to the Pittsburgh Shrine Center. We are on Facebook. We have a web page. Okay. You can download our event guide. You can download our wedding guide. You can also go to my website, which is Paulette's Naughty Events, and get the same information. Wonderful. But, but certainly you can go to the Pittsburgh Shrine Center. You can download everything. All okay. of our contact information is on there. You can do a direct submission form. And because I work 24 seven and never sleep as you, um, I'm going to get back to you within 24 hours, 24 to 48 hours. And you're going to hear back. From that's good to know. That's, that's well, really I, good to know. Well, I'm very, very um, old school in that sense that if I have a lead, if somebody contacts me and I don't contact them for five days, I've lost them. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. If I acknowledge that I heard from them, even with, hey, I heard from you, I'll call you on Wednesday at noon, that says to me, I cared enough to reach out. That's true. If I personally call somebody and say, I need something, and I don't hear back from them, they're off my list. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. I, mean, I try to extend myself as much as possible, even to my cell phone number. Uh-huh. No, I mean, I'm not saying for the whole world, oh, you can call me at any time. No, they do. <laughs> you know, I've, I've had emails at 1.30 in the morning from somebody that just got engaged two hours before and wants to already start looking for venues. Oh. Or I, I've, I've had nonprofits call me and say, oh, my gosh, my venue just canceled out on me. Yes. Now, we know we had that situation with one of our events. Centers. I was going to bring it up. Yeah, it was. And, and, I, and I took some of those and I got some of those in at a discount. We all banded together in the hospitality events industry to do that. But I've had, you know, people call me at eight o'clock in the morning. Oh, my gosh. The venue that I had double book accidentally. Yeah. And I need a place as soon as possible. So I, you know, I try to accommodate as much as possible. Yeah. 
Yeah. We all do. That's kind of how we all work, you know, which is a good thing. Um, Especially in this day and age where there's so much uncertainty going on in the industry and we don't know who's going to be around in six months. And it's just awful. I know it is, but I'm, but I try to remain very positive. You know, there are a lot of people that say to me, Oh, you're just being flippant or, Oh, you're in denial. Well, denial is my best friend, of course, (laughs) but I'm saying, look, we are warriors and we are survivors. And yes, this is a horrific time. Do not get me wrong. None of us saw this coming and right. we're moving through it. But my thing is get up, get dressed and get going every day to get some sort of structure and normalcy back. And however it looks, we're going to make it work. We're going to make it work. I think we're going to be just fine. We're really- Pittsburgh. We're going to make it work. You know, I mean, we're, in, we're in the business where being creative and being innovative and such, it has to happen. All and I think more now than ever, we need to be willing to reach out to those people and say, I have an idea. Yes. I'm not going <laughs> to charge you for my idea. I but have an idea. Why don't I, we look yeah. at it a different way that you might not have thought of? That's very true. Very so we need we need to give back within ourselves to others to say, no, I'm not charging you $75 for the consultation. Let's sit down and talk about how we might be able to do that. You'll yes. get back threefold. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Paulette, it has been wonderful chatting with you. It's so good to catch up. It's been a been a, a little bit, and I'm grateful that we got together and sat yeah. down. I am too. I'm excited. I'm excited for your website. I'm excited for everything you're doing. I appreciate you you so much for everything that you've done over all the years. And I think that even though it can be a competitive field, I think it can also be very much a a community. And I think think we very much all of us work together. We want to see everybody, you know, do well. It it benefits all of us when we do well. So that's I certainly do. And to all of you out there, I'm here. If I can help you in any way, call me. I'll make sure as well to put all the information for keeping in touch with Paulette on the website and uh, on the video. And every time we release that, I'll make sure that your hashtags are in there and we can uh, make sure people come to you and, and uh, see how awesome you guys are. So you're the best. Okay. All right. Best. Have a wonderful right. day. Thank you so much. Thank you. And thanks everybody else for listening. Bye. Bye-bye.